Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of QSR Uncut. I'm your host, Danny Klein, the editorial director here at QSR Magazine. And so this week, ran into a little bit of uh, technical difficulties. Definitely mostly my fault. I forgot to hit record when I was supposed to. <laughs> so I apologize for that, but I'm going to offer a little bit of an introduction here. And then we'll drop right into um, my interview with Kevin Sherman, the CEO of Tractor Beverage Company. And you'll notice also the audio will be a little bit different. Um, we had to use a different recording device. So regardless, uh, definitely worth listening through. Um, I think you probably recognize Tractor best from their work with Chipotle. But definitely one thing we address you know, very often in this conversation is this idea of you know, how do you get the quick service customer to stop always asking for the water cup. You know, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of being that type of guest <laughs> 97% of the time, probably. Um, but I think it's definitely an interesting concept of saying, okay, you know, what does a new generation of customers want on the beverage side beyond sort of the fountain machines of old? Uh, not that those aren't still relevant, but of course, so much of this industry is about choice. So without further ado, here's my interview with Kevin. Hope you all enjoy. And as always, you know, if you have any questions, reach out. If not, listen, enjoy, and we'll see you next time. Appreciate Kevin you joining this week. You know, thank you so much for joining. If you want to just take a moment to introduce yourself, maybe talk a little bit about the company or your background, and we'll get into it from there. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, again, I'm the CEO of Tractor Beverage Company. Uh, the, the company was um, started uh, back all the way back in 2014. It was first created as a um, the first organic non-GMO soda company. Um, went for a couple of years um, trying to really break into that market, which, as we all know, that's a really difficult market to crack into. In 2018, we kind of shifted a lot of the focus, um, and we became the first and literally the only organic non-GMO um, kind of beverage solution service where we started to really focus on our our refresher line, our agua fresca line, which was very differentiated than soda. So it's a non-car play. Um, in 2020, I'm just going to kind of go through a quick timeline. Just going to catch up. In 2020, we launched uh, nationally with Chipotle in all uh, just under 3,000 restaurants, and from then on, it's been pretty much. Um, you know, kind of uh, pedal to the floor, and we've just been growing pretty, pretty quickly, getting into a lot of uh, other chains, a lot of other, um, you know, opportunities. So the company is, uh, you know, poised for just some, some awesome growth for the for the near future. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the the relationship with Chipotle. I'm, I'm very familiar with the black tea myself, and you know, I I think it's it speaks to an interesting. You know, movement overall, you know, just if you're going to have, you know, food that follows a certain ethos, you know, I think in their case at the time, you know, they needed a beverage that also went along with that. Not, you know, of course, you're always going to have the staples coming out of the fountain for people who, you know, come to dine and, you know, expect those. But at the same time, having the option to kind of give somebody a product that, you know, really fits with what you're also offering, you know, in the bowl, you know, I think it's something that they wanted to do. Of course, that's really where they began. But how did that partnership come about? You know, how yeah. has it really gone over the years? Yeah. So, you know, Chipotle is fascinating in that um, I think everyone would agree that what they did completely disrupt, I think, the the model, it, um, fast cash. 
casual QSR in that they really started to lead with, uh, you know, with the message of the whole idea of food with integrity and leading with kind of an ingredients forward platform, which I believe was, was just, it was genius at the time that they did it. And it's still working today. Um, what's amazing about Chipotle is it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel like, fast food it feels like a real restaurant it feels like a restaurant food and i think and i can't speak for them directly i can just speak on behalf of tractor but i think what tractor was able to do was just give them um the ability to just provide another choice for beverages that just kind of complemented their food and their you know their their complex ingredients um and what i mean by that is simply you know Obviously, they have the soda machine in there. They have uh, they have the teas, and what Tractor did was just offer just another opportunity to give their consumers um, a choice of beverages, which is really pretty dramatic. Because I think that you know I, I always call it the last frontier in um, in food services that beverages pretty much have never been disrupted. It's really been owned by just a very few players, and um, it's all been carved by and large. But what Tractor's doing is it's just it's just giving people the opportunity to you know have another choice, um, and in our case, it's organic non-GMO. So I think it just kind of you know just fell right into their ethos. I think um, we stand for many of the same things, Chipotle and Tractor. They've been an amazing partner to us, um, amazing management team. Um, so it's, it's been Right, so so you joined the Tractor team in 2015, um, if I'm not mistaken. Talk a little bit about how that landscape has changed from the perspective of the consumer and also the operator being more open to these conversations. Because as you mentioned, I, I think that beverage space, you know, really was one of the later disruptors. You know, it's probably still pretty strong held in a lot of brands for the way that it's looked for 50 years, but. I mean, has it come a long way pretty quickly? I think in a lot of the healthy eating and food, you know, a lot of that stuff has become a lot more in the consumer conscious, you know, of late. But is the same true of beverages? Have you seen that start to really click for a lot of a lot of brands out there? Yeah, I am. You know, I think it's, uh, again, it's a deep conversation. I think this kind of leads right into the into the bigger conversation around, you know, the Gen Y and specifically the Gen Z, right? So I think that Gen Z is driving the future of QSR. I think it's a really just kind of a, it's a big statement, but I think it's a statement that we're, we're starting to see more and more come about when we talk to, you know, you know, just potential partners, um, pouring tractor. The thing that we're hearing over and over and over again is that, you know, the Gen Y, Gen Z crowd, um, CSDs, although I believe they're going to always be there, there's going to always be your soda drinkers. What's happening a lot is that people are moving over to the water, right? So where tractor fits in is we're saying, you know, as a, as a restaurant owner, as an operator, what you don't want to do is you don't want to lose out you know, incremental revenue you want to lose out to the water cup. And what Tractor's doing, it's just providing choice. The more important thing, though, about this whole conversation has to do with, you know, again, my theory is that Gen Z, you know, it, it's the driving force for all of QSR. Some of the data out there is just stunning. You know, Bloomberg recently you know, had something that mentioned that Gen Z, you know, is $360 billion globally in disposable income. Right. So more than yeah. double 
1.3 billion QSR visits, one in four visit weekly QSRs, and 68% of the Gen Zs are um, visiting monthly QSRs. So you gotta pay attention to that data, and then you gotta go one step further and say, well, what are they looking for? We've kinda locked it down into kinda four, four pillars through consumer insights. One has got to taste great, and this is the great thing about Tractor is that, you know, you can't push something that doesn't taste awesome, especially to Gen Z. It's got to taste great. We, we nailed that one. The next one is just kind of transparency in your label, so, you know, clean, honest quality. And then um, a company that has purpose, that really has a clear mission. Um, I think the Gen Zs are fascinating in that they're kind of mavericks and that they want to go search out what are these companies all about? What do they stand for? Are they making a difference? Um, so purpose is number three. And then number four is function. Um, they're looking for function. So I think it is changing. I think you bring up a great point, Danny. You know, the, the kind of the beverage space in, in food service literally has never seen disruption. If you think about it, you know, you said 50 years. Um, it's, it's always just been this is what you get. And, um, you know, Tractor kind of looks at it in a completely different mindset and say, well, we actually believe that beverages matter and they elevate food. So when you start talking to culinary folks on, with our porn partners and you say, hey, look, we think we can actually elevate your entire food profile. Don't look at it as an afterthought that you just get a drink, but, you know, let's, let's kind of dive in and figure out how we can make that food experience even greater with, uh, with, with a beverage that has some some different flavor profiles but yeah i think gen z i think it's the unlock and i think it's the future for qsr yeah you know i think i think i read or i heard this fact somewhere in life i'm not even sure if it's accurate <laughs> but that taco bell was the first to really put a fountain outside the counter you know where you were self-serving yourself but but in terms of um you know when i said 50 years there it's actually probably more like 100 years if you go all the way back to a and W um, and White Castle, but you know. Anyway, with that said, you know, I, I do think the Gen Z conversation is really interesting. You know, I, I, I find them personally to be a pretty fascinating uh, category of consumers. I'm trying to that those QSR stats are actually stunning to me. I had not heard those before, but I guess from your perspective of innovating, I mean, what what exactly is it that they're asking for? I, I think the water cup example is amazing. That's uh, <laughs> something I see myself do and everybody else all the time because I think you go to, it's usually twofold, you know, you go to order your food and say, do I want to add more calories to it or do I want to add more price? And if you don't want to do either, you reach for the water cup. And I guess to navigate around that, you know, where do you really begin? I mean, is the Gen Z consumer looking, you know, of course, something that's probably clean and all these you know, things that they're, they value, but does it also go beyond that just in the branding itself, you know, and you see a lot of Gen Z people are kind of self-focused on things like TikTok and platforms that they can, you know, film what they're eating and what they're doing. They're almost like a brand onto themselves, you know, and it's, it's interesting, but where, where do you begin as a marketer to kind of really, you know, how can you tap into that, that world? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, um, brand, Brand matters, yeah, right? So, look, I'm a big believer in that. Um, the Gen Z crowd, specifically, what I find so fascinating, and I used the word maverick earlier, in that 
you know, they are not happy with kind of the status quo as far as uh, they're just not going to believe a brand simply because it's a well-known brand. They're diving in and we're learning this more and more again that they want to know what's actually behind the company. Like, what does the company stand for, right? What are their values? Um, are they just kind of, you know, just whitewashing marketing things? And I, I've said this loud and clear. Like, I don't think the Gen Z crowd can, and, and I, I say this carefully, I don't think they can be marketed to as much as they just want to be told the truth. Because the amazing thing about it is they can do a couple Google searches and do a deep dive into the company and see, hey, is this company greenwashing this? Are they whitewashing this? Or do they really believe what they're saying? So, you know, when you look at, you know, the tractor mission, very simple. It's create a cleaner, healthier planet, one drink at a time. Well, we got to live that. You know, we got to get really behind that and be able to to back that up. Um, look, you bring up another interesting point. You know, the whole water cup phenomenon is something you know that I think is just growing. When you start thinking about the the, the restaurant operators with you know everything, uh, I think due to the uh, to the aftershocks still of COVID, with you know the protein market so hard high, and you look at um, you look at margins in in food specifically, the operators have to look to beverages. They have to look to beverages to kind of you know increase that incremental revenue. But the problem is, is that many of them are facing, and we're hearing it all the time, we're losing a lot out to water cups. And I think they're losing out to the water cup because those who don't want soda, there's really not a lot of options. There's nothing else. So to your point about whether it's calories or this or that or just kind of a different flavor profile, there's not much there. So Tractor is offering this, this choice. They're just saying, hey, look, we know, and we've always said this, we've been very clear, Tractor isn't against soda we're saying we just want to give people the opportunity that if you don't want soda you have another opportunity to get something else what we're seeing across the board though is the people that do take tractor on as as, you know our port partners is there's a huge increase in beverage attachment rate they're actually starting to see that their beverage sales are going up significantly and that's really important when you kind of just bring it down into a you know into an economic issue for them they have to find ways to drive that incremental revenue but who's going to that cup right what we're seeing more and more it's that gen y and gen z and we do believe it has to do with you know the brand the the tractor brand is it's it's pure it's actually very simple but more and more importantly you know we're kind of putting our money where our mouth is we're you know we're backing it up with integrity and you know it's kind of one of our taglines is we don't take the shortcut you know, we don't ever we don't ever sacrifice um, quality. Yeah, and how, how much has this attachment conversation changed? Just spurred on by kind of the you know the off premise growth that's come out of this last few years because it's sort of. You know, I, I know obviously people get handed um, paper cups with lids and straws and stick them in the cup holder, but, you know, it's it's a much different situation if you're talking about delivery, right? The drive-through, you know, that's sort of a standard concept, but, you know, in terms of, like, takeout, you know, having a bottle or having something like that, I know as myself, I, I kind of lean toward that, drive, you know, just grab a can and, you know, I could check out and I bring that home, it's a little bit easier, but... I mean, has that changed the way you think a little bit about the attachment conversation and what, you know, sort of almost the grab-and-go part of this now and, and where you go as a beverage company? 
Sure. It is. It's definitely something that we do. We talk a, a lot about as, a, as an executive leadership team. We know that, um, look, we've seen off-premise increasing. We are not, again, we are not into the RTD space just yet. It is a very lively discussion because one of the things that we're always facing is people are finding Tractor at these different restaurants and they're saying, hey, we'd love to buy it on the go. So it is something that we're leaning into. Obviously, it's a huge conversation. I know you know the space probably very well. Getting in the RTD space is... Um, it's very difficult, right? It's uh, it's cash intensive. You got to have all the resources in in, in in the right place at the right time. So we are we are having that conversation right now. We do have some restaurant chains that are offering our product in a to go bottle. Remember, we don't have a preservative, so we're completely organic, non GMO. So that adds just another area of um, sophistication. But we do have, you know, in Chipotle, for instance, you know, we have a lemonade and a nice tea that is bottled for them specifically. So again, depending on the size of the chain, does it make sense? We can do it. But yeah, we're keeping a close eye on that. That's something that we, we have a lively discussion about. Yeah, I, um, I just Googled you a second ago, and I'm seeing this, like, uh, this looks like a big paper box, but I think this is a concentrate, <laughs> you know, but, but either way, it's kind of an interesting, um, you know, just in terms of how this comes to the restaurant, you know, and so I guess, you know, just talking a little bit, you know, beyond Chipotle to maybe some other brands that you work with, I think I'd seen maybe you're with the new Hart House and, um, which is an yep. interesting concept, uh, Kevin Hart, <laughs> you know, I haven't really tried it myself. I know people like it, but yeah, talk a little bit about some other brands that you work with and, and, you know, kind of how that's continues to grow. Yeah. You know, um, Hart House is interesting because, you know, obviously really leaning in to plant-based and i think one of the things that um you know we talk about a lot with the executive leadership team is that there's a whole trend actually moving i think embracing you know so you even look at um the impossible burger right um beyond i just feel like there's a lot more chains that are just starting to embrace you know alternative ways of kind of meat protein and you know one of the things i often say is that you know, the great thing about Tractor is it's kind of a plant-based drink, right? We're not really we're not really marketing it as such, but what we do find is that a lot of people that do want those kind of plant-based options, you know, are looking at Tractor and, and saying, hey, look, this, this kind of matches with uh, what we want, um, whether it's salad chains or whatever. Um, Hard House is interesting because we believe that, you know, look, I, I don't live in Los Angeles, but friends that drive by they take pictures of the lines that are just extraordinary so i'm only highlighting that because i think they're onto a concept that i think is going to be very very big in the future i think they're onto something really big and you know that's another partner that we're just we're just happy to be connected with yeah and it looks like too you're over here at the nc state by where i live so you got some yep. college applications too, which I think makes sense. I mean, that's definitely a consumer base that fits into what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it too, you know, um, just to give you some more statistics, Danny. So, you know, we are obviously fast casual college and university. We're making a lot of headway in the college and university scene, which is kind of an interesting one when you think about it. Again, think of that, think of that generation, right? 
You have um, school dietitians. You have parents demanding better for products for their children where they go to school. Um, but we're we're really making some headway in colleges and universities. Corporate BNI, another one. You know, um, we're pouring in some Facebook campuses, Toyota. You know, Mass Mutual, Capital One. So not just not just in the QR QSR space but really kind of going outside and just finding out where is food service and people are loving tractor. Um, we're pouring in 49 states, you know, over 5,000 locations. And I think our last statistic, we were pouring just about over 81 million drinks per year in all of these different channels. Yeah, and I think a good um, segue there is to talk a little bit about the flavor profiles and, and maybe what that innovation process is like. Um, you know, as you mentioned kind of with Chipotle there and Aqua Frescas are, are something I think a lot of us are probably familiar with, the lemonade. But I'm on the site, you got a lot of things. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. blood, blood orange, root beer, mango, green tea, dragon fruit. I mean, it kind of runs the uh, the gamut. I, I, yeah, I guess just talk a little bit about about that from the consumer's perspective right now. I mean, what are some flavor trends that really leaning into, you know, maybe some that are on the horizon here. Sure. So our our founder um, is a farmer, and he's also the formulator of all of our beverages. Um, his name is Travis Potter. And the amazing thing about Travis, we kind of liken him to this Willy Wonka character in that he just is a savant when it comes to beverage formulation and taste profiles I've, I've never seen anything quite like it not saying it because i work at tractor but just having been in the industry a long time he has this uncanny ability to pair different ingredients to make these sensational just kind of flavor profiles so like you said you know when you when you look at what we have we have a whole carbonated side which is kind of our soda side and we have you know uh, we have our cola cola lemongrass coconut um all these different other cherry cream cola light and then you have the agro fresca side which is a non-carb that is you know strawberry dragon fruit blackberry we have our teas green teas uh, unsweet tea um, you know, Clementine. Um, when Travis developed these flavors, he was saying, let's think out of the box a little bit. And then you even talk about maybe even adding a little functioning. So function. So when you think of like our lemonade, we add turmeric to it. People would always scratch their head and say like, why would you do that? I've never heard of that. Well, we obviously know that's kind of a trending ingredient right now. It has a lot to do with inflammation and gut health. We don't make any functional claims, obviously. Um, but we do we do kind of sprinkle in some very functional ingredients into, into the product. But what Travis has done is not just put those in for the sake of putting them in, but finding a way to make them taste great. And I think, you know, being in the food and beverage industry, you know that if it doesn't taste great, you can't sell it. You can put the most amazing marketing campaign around it, but if it doesn't taste great, the consumer's not coming back. So Travis just does a great job, you know, in just keeping kind of his, uh, his ear to the ground and just saying, like, where are these flavor profiles? What are we hearing out there? The other amazing thing is, you know, we have some really great partners that we rely on from just consumer insights, like what's trending. And then we build the product to just make sure that we're hitting what's on trend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the 
it's funny, like Gen Z, you see turmeric in a drink, they're probably going to order it. <laughs> but yeah. I, mean, so, I mean, is there an ingredient right now that maybe you're offering that is kind of a little bit under the radar that you think maybe in the year from now might be something we're all talking about? Uh, you know, I think I think ginger is one I hear I see on in a lot of drinks now that maybe is kind of feels that way in terms of that kind of benefits that it offers that are, you know, and still tastes pretty good. But yeah, what's maybe an ingredient that we should keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, look, I agree with you on ginger. So I, before you said that, that was one that I was definitely thinking about. I think the uh, the health benefits and the attributes that we're learning. The other one, which we do have in the product, I think we can lean into even more, is just kind of the effects of the the apple cider vinegars that we have in some of our yeah. agua fresca. People are leaning into that in a very, very big way, obviously, for just gut health. So when you start thinking of just that whole category, and I think there's some real awesome movers in there, whether it's Olipop or Poppy, I think they're doing an amazing job. I think they're going after an area where you know people are really struggling with gut health more than ever now. So trying to find those ingredients for us, again, bringing turmeric into the lemonade. We don't, we don't talk about the function. We don't make any claims about the function. But we do know that those ingredients have effects on inflammation and gut health. Um, another thing that we're exploring, and we're kind of at the beginning stages of this, is just really looking at uh, botanicals. I think that there's a lot there by way of efficacy. Um, there's some really amazing things I'm looking into right now with some European botanicals and Asian botanicals. Whether it's lavender, whether it's chamomile, that things that have just become almost, um, you know, you think of it from a tea perspective, you know, like a hot tea, a chamomile tea. But there's a lot to be said about some of these ingredients that were used by, um, you know, other cultures for, you know, thousands of years that haven't become mainstream. So when we look at innovation as a whole, obviously, these are really big conversations and we got to make sure that, you know, when we introduce something that there's, there's, there's logic behind it. There's reason behind it. But look, another thing I, you know, what I was saying about the Gen Z is like, we're paying a close, close attention to what they're coming across. That's why I say, you know, they're just such a fascinating bunch because I do think, you know, I, and I, I think that they just have kind of this maverick approach to saying, look, we have so much information. We've never been in a situation where we've had so much information fingertips where you know if they start to find something out or they learn about something uh, and they want to share it with tractor we're, we're, we're you know our ears are wide open but we are definitely not you know approaching this from like a silo um, we're kind of always just looking at what's next and I think this is the amazing thing about Travis's um, he sends me information all the time on ingredients that he's coming across, um, again, from Asia, from Europe, that he's saying, hey, look, this is what we got to look at. So yeah. we're always, always paying attention. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I was talking to someone recently about this, actually, in the kind of what what is word of mouth marketing now for, a, like, a Gen Z consumer? You know, because who, who exactly are they talking to? You know, obviously, historically, word of mouth meant you – tell your friend that you should go here or try this but now your friend or whoever you might be telling might be a social network full of strangers you know so so word of mouth and and what's cool about that is frustrating as it sometimes is is that you can listen to it from as a bystander brand and see what people are saying about you without actually asking them so in some ways it's it's um it's a generation that's 
you know, you can kind of figure out what they're talking about from a word of mouth marketing standpoint. You know, if you could kind of sort through all the craziness on Twitter. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, they'll probably lead you to where, where you need to go if you're trying to figure out what they want. Um, they're a little more open about it, I feel like, than millennials were when we were all trying to figure that out 10 years ago and ended up sort of no one had any idea and they became everything to everybody and, you know, that whole story. But, but it's an interesting time to uh, be leading a beverage brand, um, at least in my it opinion. Is. It is, Danny. And, you know, look, I, and that's why when you asked the question, I thought it was a really astute question, you know, like where is it all heading in specifically in QSR? And uh, it's just it's fascinating because the more and more what we're hearing over and over again is really they're bringing up the Gen Z crowd. They're bringing this up to us. They're coming to us and saying, hey, this is a this is a an area that we're having a hard time reaching specifically specifically in the beverage category so obviously the food um they're hitting it i think with the food but look i think the gen z crowd is they're they're looking for options they're just looking for you know cleaner labels and this is the great thing about being organic and non-gmo i mean um no chemicals right um they're looking for that they want that um organic matters to them at the same time at the same time I'm the first one to say, you know, um, if you want your soda with a burger, go for it. Tastes awesome too. Right. Right. Like, and that's, that's been our whole thing is just to, just to keep on providing our, our partners, our pouring partners, just allow them to, to, to give their customer choice. Don't lose out to no revenue on that water cup. Um, but the Gen Z crowd is fascinating. It's just to me, like the more that I'm learning about it, the more that I'm, I'm paying attention, you know, look as the CEO of tractor, there's so many times I'm, whether I'm at a Chipotle or, um, you know, another restaurant chain, um, I'll go up to them and I'll ask them and say, curious, just why did you go for that? You know? And some of the, some of the feedback is amazing. Like some of them are just as simple as like, well, it's organic. And then I'll just be like, well, does that matter to you? Oh yeah, totally. It totally matters to me. Um, why are you drinking that? Oh, I just love the flavor. I just love the flavor. Oh, I just wasn't in the mood for a soda today. Whatever the case may be. But I'm always asking because I'm always just curious. It's like, why are you drinking a tractor? I don't tell them that I work for the company or anything, but yeah. I'm more and more where I think we're, we're hitting, we're hitting a niche that has really, and that gets back into disruption. It's a category. Food service beverages have, they just never been disrupted. It's never happened before. You go into the RTD space and, you know, you can pick 10 different sparkling waters, you know, a bunch of different coconut waters, a bunch of different protein drinks. But, you know, in food service, beverages just have never seen, they've never seen disruption. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think what's happening, this is just my personal view on this, I've seen it in food too on the disruption side, is that I think, you know, Probably uh, five, six, ten years ago, something like that. A lot, a lot of when you were trying to quote unquote be healthy with your food choices, usually we started to cut calories. So you would go get a diet soda, <laughs> you know. But but what's what's kind of changed now? It seems with younger consumers is they're not so much worried about 
calories um, and things like that as much as they are just worried about clean ingredients. So they'll go, you know, they might go get clean proteins or food that, you know, the sourcing is a little more responsible or they're, you know, feel better about the antibiotics or whatever it might be. And I think, you know, to your point, I guess the trailing and it's been slower to be disrupted, but now you're seeing that in drinks too. It's less about, you know, is this going to, you know, be calorie laden to me as much as it, is this something I want to put in my body beyond that? And that's, I think, what's probably spurring growth of a lot of seltzers, <laughs> a lot of, com- a lot of companies like yourself, you know, who the, it's like we use real, you know, syrup or whatever it might be. And that's kind of what people seem to be more worried about now. Yeah. Danny, you know, the one other thing I, I just wanted to mention was, you know, because I didn't even mention this, but it's it's a huge, you know, passion play for the company. And, and for me personally, you know, one of the kind of banners that we talk about at Tractor internally is this whole concept of democratizing organic um, without getting into any of the weeds. You know, I was an inner city um, teacher. I was an administrator in um you know, South Central Los Angeles and the Watch District and that whole surrounding area for for a long time. Um, and one of the things that just I was always amazed at was the lack of um, organic. Obviously, we know if you go back, you know, 10 years, even 15 years, organic was something that was really just set aside for the affluent. There was no there was no conversation that if you if you weren't of means like it was very hard to get organic. Um, and it was something that just always just kind of, you know, was under my skin was like, why aren't we finding ways and why aren't we finding, you know, um, paths to get organic opportunities and options for urban youth and, and just people in urban areas? Like, what is this? Why can't we do this? And I think it had a lot to do, obviously, with supply chain and scalability and being able to do that. But... You know, at Tractor, we believe very much in just this concept of democratizing organic that we believe all people deserve organic. So when you start thinking of food service, you start thinking of restaurant chains all over, whether it's in rural areas, urban areas. Let's just make sure that, you know, everyone deserves this. It shouldn't just be for the select few or for just the affluent that they're the only ones that should be getting organic products. We should be doing this for everybody. Right, right, right. I only bring that up because I feel like, you know, again, that's kind of my, my educator coming out at me, but it was something that just always, just was always in the back of my head. I'm like, why is it, you know, I can drive five miles, 10 miles up the road and go get an organic food option, but, you know, they can't get this in the inner city. Like, why is that? So, you know, that's another big mission for us. We just believe wholeheartedly in, um, you know, we want to we want to really democratize this and make sure that people know that you know Tractor isn't just a beverage company. Like, there's a deeper mission of what we're doing. We're not just looking at us as just simply a beverage company. It's really about you know changing the entire narrative of how beverages are are served and to whom we're serving them. Yeah, and you know, Kevin, to the broader point that I think we've been talking about on this this um, conversation is really. What you've been saying there about democratizing organic, I've heard that from a hundred food brands, <laughs> to put it lightly. You know, that that's sort of like you have all these chains and fast casual to come up. That's that's their ethos, right? You know, that I think it's, you know, like Just Salad once said they want to be the Trader Joe's of, you know, fast food. And 
you know, True Food Kitchen on the full service side. So many brands that that's that's really their guiding principle of you know letting break down the walls to the accessibility of of organic. But you don't hear it a lot in beverage, <laughs> you know. So, right. so so that so to your as we've mentioned a lot in here, I do think that that's a world that the disruption is in its early stages, um, and it's pretty exciting. Obviously, exciting for you guys <laughs> just to, to be on that side of things, but. Um, well, you know, thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. Uh, it's been great. Um, but before I let you go, though, I just want to make sure I, I open the floor here just to give you a chance to, you know, maybe mention something just to make sure if you didn't so far, but also to give people an opportunity if they want to find you to learn more about the company, you know, what might be a good place for them to, to do so, to reach out. And, and yeah, yeah, again, thank you so much. Well, again, thanks for um, just thanks for having me on. I mean, it's 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 an honor to be able to you know just share some time with you. Obviously, you're a trailblazer in this whole space, so just just thanks for even including us in on this. Um, you know, look, I think we covered an awful lot. Um, there's not much more to add. You know, our at the end of the day, we 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 really do believe that you know we're just kind of you know we're changing the whole whole narrative on food service beverages um and um we know it's an uphill battle you know there's some giants in the room but you know we're the we're the david the goliath but you know we we believe in what we're doing and um we're pretty steadfast on the mission um with that look we can be found all the information at drinktractor.com um and um i guess that's it but hey thanks for just having me on i really appreciate it yeah, no, it was great. As I said at the beginning, we have not had a beverage company before, so it was fun to, to step into a new world there. So thank you for all the insight. It was, um, yeah, we'll probably uh, go and try one of these. <laughs> I always do that when I write or, or I do one of these podcasts. I end up going and eating that, which is usually a good thing and sometimes a bad thing. But, um, you know, what, what can you do? That's what happens when you write about quick service fast food all the time. <laughs> It's the, uh, the cross that I bear in life. <laughs> well, thanks for your time, and let me know when you're out in Colorado. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, for everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.